Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex. Identity, culture, Mm. what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for thought, we actually are the garbage whores who fucked half of New York. Meredith. Okay, let me tell you, it's tough opening up a Food for Thought show without Den because we needed we needed her mouth noises. The, ow! In the, in the <laughs> no no one can do it. No one can do that. No, ow! I'm not the girl. And no one can do it with the unpredictability. I know. It's truly chaos incarnate. <laughs> yes. Start, just starting the show with absolute nonsense chaos. I love us. But we have a good sub, which is Kenya in the studio with us, producer Kenya. I feel like Kenya is hey actually guys, a up? great dom. Wow. Where is that you coming don't think? from? <laughs> you don't think? I mean, I think I can be anything I want to be. Kenya was like, I didn't sign up for this, but I'm definitely qualified. Literally, I'm qualified, <laughs> baby. I'm literally qualified everywhere. So, and that's why uh, I how you, so. How are you feeling like, today, Kenya? Well, bitch, I popped a Benadryl at 6 a.m., so I'm tired as fuck. But I had to. I was having an allergic breakdown, mm. and there was Zyrtec wasn't strong the enough. Zyrtec so I had to start it. my day with the Benny, and like, mm. you know, I'm older now. That shit hits. <laughs> Alex and so Kenya, been- uh, at one of our trips in Portland, called it drilling. <laughs> Taking Benadryl drilling, especially after they make had a sexy. couple beers. They're going to be like, I've oh. heard of that before. It's We're like gonna... how older people have spring break. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it, would have, it would be 6 p.m. They would have like two beers each and then be like, we got to go back to the room and drill. <laughs> Benadryl has to be one of the, the strongest over, over-the-counter remedies known to Matt. It's too powerful for its own good and maybe should be illegal. It is. I love you, Benadryl. Love Continue you, Benadryl. what you're doing. You're literally keeping me alive by a threat. <laughs> <laughs> literally. It is. Well, Shout out to you. To that end, I am Tommy Teebs Pico, indigenous American poet, screenwriter, TV writer, and I have pink eye. No, Teebs! No! no. Teebs, did someone fart on your eye? (laughs) It's not even from fun stuff. It was just because, like, one night, like the other night, I was taking out my contacts and I accidentally did it again on the same eye, and yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Burns. That's an adenovirus, boo-boo. That's an adenovirus. I am Joseph Oswinson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and you can read much more about adenoviruses in my upcoming book, Virology, for pre-order now at (laughs) www.virologybook.com. Adenoviruses. I'm I'm Fran. I'm a writer. I'm an editor, and um, also hanging by a thread, but for personal reasons. (laughs) Benadryl will help, baby. Benadryl will help. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. I mean, yeah, it'll just completely sedate you. I'm Kenya Denise. I am the co-founder and creative director of Domino Sound. I'm a writer. 
I'm a psychonaut, and now I'm a psychedelic researcher. Yes. Yeah. Wait, Kenya, tell tell the thoughts about your latest um your latest announcement about that. Well, I just got a fellowship at Berkeley to be a psychedelic journalist. Mm. So, bitch, I mean, I don't really know what it is either. Like, I signed up for it, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just with it. I'm going with it. I love writing about psychedelics. And we're, we're going to see what happens. It's the first cohort, so... It should be very interesting. I have a question, Mama. Are you gonna what? are you gonna do psychedelics as part of your research? Is your research doing psychedelics? I may or <laughs> may have not already done perfect MDMA from the American government. Alex, you might have to bleep that out. But yeah, I I, I am self-testing. Yes, I really want to hear it, it be, I, I have done beep from beep. That's my note. All well, right. Um, well, there's no better person to have in the studio with us because today we're talking about brain drugs, drugs that affect Ooh. your brain um, on incentive of uh, one Joseph Osmond um, who has the menu this week? All right, Thotties. Our little episode today is about medications for the mind. We start with sluttery and synapses and end, as always, with one perfect tiny bite. Take it away. Mmm, I'm feeling a little peckish. I think it's time we start the top of the show the way any good top should, with a little tease, our uproarious appetizer segment Amuse Bouche. And, uh, ho, I believe you're, you're, uh, you're going to be on our lips for a second. Yeah, so when I thought about, look, brain drugs, we're all, literally all four of us are on them. And they're so stigmatized. It's so hard to talk about for most people. And I think it stops a lot of people from trying them if they're um, if they're thinking about it or, you know, thinking through, do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? Do I want to taper on? Do I want to taper off? And just being open. You know, it's one of those things where I feel like we don't talk to our friends about it. But then when you do talk to your friends, you're like, you're on Zoloft. I'm on Prozac, you know, and yeah. we just wanted to start of start that conversation. And as a scientist, so I'm not a doctor and I'm not a neuroscientist, but I do teach biochemistry. And so the the pathways through which these drugs work is something that I've been thinking about for a long time, both in terms of what we do know about the drugs, which is a fair amount, but also what we don't know about the drugs, which is a still a massive fuck ton. And which is why, for example, two drugs in the same class like Prozac and Zoloft one might work for someone and one might work for another person and we have no idea why and i was so excited to do this because ken ken is like a drug expert as well both in terms of having taken being on the ssri journey we talk about it for a long time and i just wanted to kind of ping back and forth thinking about these classes of brain drugs kind of basically how they work and still kind of what we don't know about them how's that sound to y'all Sounds, Sounds good. so good. I can't wait. All right, I, Ken. So, which drugs are we gonna do right before we we jump in? Let's do. Let's all do a line of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> wait. So, who's on drugs right now? Nah. Uh, I guess. Oh, oh, yeah. hands. oh my yes. god! Oh my god! Yes. Y'all didn't see it, but it was lit. It was yes. lit. Yes. Y'all yes. lit. Yes. We all lit. Lit. Wow. Um, today is actually my last day of te- taking Lexapro. No! Ever. Oh, wow. I've been tapering off for four months because I knew that the Lexapro was going to run out. Oh, and I did that, bitch. Wow, okay. wow babe. Proud and so you. I took it this morning for the last time ever. I feel so much better, wow. not to say that everyone else will feel so much better. But it feels akin to when I took out my... Um, 
What's that thing they put in your vagina that's like IUD diaphragm? Yes, yes, the IUD. IUD, the IUD. I fucking hated that. When I got that out, I felt amazing. That's amazing, Ken. It's so it it feels very much similar to that, mm. but yeah, so that's really lit. That is. Um. So, but you know, you just you gotta you gotta know try for yourself. You gotta try you know? for yourself. So completely different. I'm on Lexapro and Ken was on Lexapro and these are both SSRIs which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. There are a bunch yeah. of different pathways in the brain and sort of how the brain functions writ large is that you have electrified cells called neurons and signals travel down the neuron from one to another. And neurons can be quite long. They can be like a meter long, but functionally like a neuron cannot go from my brain to my toe and neurons within the brain communicate all with each other that are just like one cell long. And so they do this at a place called a synapse. And a synapse is not an electric signal like everywhere else in the brain. It's a chemical signal. So when we talk about neurotransmitters, we're talking about molecules that are dropped off by one neuron into this place called the synapse, which is a space between two electrified neurons. And they communicate from the upstream cell to the downstream cell. And y'all know what neurotransmitters are. They're things like nope, serotonin. I do not. They're, I'm extremely dumb, so please bring it down <laughs> for me. Explain for the kids, please. Like, like, I'm like... They're like serotonin and dopamine, and sometimes mm. they have uh, acetylcholine at the neuromuscular junction, and mm. sometimes mm. neurons are dropping off uh, hormones like epinephrine and norepinephrine, which are like uh, adrenaline, fight-or-flight type chemicals. So, so all of your brain is, is integrating all of these signals all the time, And in general, the way neuroscientists think about it is that there are pathways that are like activating pathways, like adrenaline and norepinephrine. And then there are pathways that are pleasure pathways, like motherfucking dopamine. When you fuck or when you eat, you get that dopamine hit that is like, you just did a good thing for your body. You just did something good to make babies or give yourself a a meal to keep living. Uh, And so that's like the pleasure center. Um, And serotonin is tends to be thought of as like a kind of a chill, happy neurotransmitter. Um, But all of it is so fucking complicated. So SSRIs are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. They basically block the reuptake of serotonin at the synapse, which turns up the signal of the serotonin pathway. Okay. So it meaning like, it makes you ha- it makes you happier question it, mark. It turns out these drugs tend to treat depression and anxiety and we don't know why. Okay? We know that they turn up serotonin at the synapse, but how that relates to treating depression and anxiety, you know, it's like it's a huge pathway and you know there are different serotonin receptors in different regions of the brain that may have different effect. And of all of these billions of neurons and trillions of connections, we really do not have a map of what's talking to whom and how the drugs work at that whole brain level. I'll also say it's interesting about SSRIs. I feel like they're also used to treat so much Mm -hmm. more than like, there's so much off label. Like I have a chronic pain disorder and that was a part of the reason that I was on SSRIs. Mm -hmm. And also, I have, like, really bad insomnia. Mm-hmm. And they were like, try it for this. Did not work at all. Right. <laughs> Did not work at all. So, but, you know, there's so many, so many different things that they're used for. And so it's just, and they don't know until you try. One of the big so. things that I want to drive home is, like, we understand the the molecular mechanism of these drugs. Like, they block serotonin reuptake and turn up serotonin. But, like, how that fucking works to make you happier or, like, less want to die 
uh, we really don't know. And it is like you have to have a good clinician and you have to be willing to like do some trial and error until you find something that works for you. Um, I, I, I wanted to talk about beta blockers because I think someone on the call is someone on the call on beta blockers. Uh, not continually, but every now and then. Right. So beta blockers are good drugs. They were tr- um, actually first used for anxiety, for performance anxiety, like performers, musicians, actors, blah, blah, blah. That's why I took it because mm-hmm. I had so much stage fright when I started doing performances and readings and shit like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And these are drugs that turn down the release of epinephrine and norepinephrine. So in general, turn down your stressed out fight or flight response all right so they tend to be like for acute use you're not on them typically chronically they're for panic attacks they're for stage fright um but people really like them people who like them find them really 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 useful and also when i started to use them for for stage fright i didn't have the same trigger Mm. um and so uh, eventually i was able to just do it without taking propanolol because i didn't i had i didn't have a um adverse association to being in front of people i actually mm. had a, a positive association and so once i once that was established i didn't need it anymore that's mm. so that's a, I, I love how I, that's how i think about drugs a lot too um you know in terms of I, this is kind of more talking about like mechanisms and stuff like that but like ambien for me can disrupt an insomnia cycle. So like I might have really bad sleep and like for two nights in a row, I need to take Ambien, but that like locks me back in to not spiraling about sleep anymore. And it just like, I recover and then I don't need the drug anymore. So I think that's like a really useful way to think about some of these acute drugs like benzodiazepines. Who here mm-hmm. loves benzos? Hey! Benzos! Hey! <laughs> yes! I would say that benzos are one of the drugs that we actually understand a little better, and their mechanism of action is pretty intuitive. Uh, they modify; they're they're what we call agonists of um, the GABA receptor. Agonist means they bind to and activate, and GABA receptors tend to be uh, inhibitory receptors in neurons. So they basically mm. these are drugs that literally turn down the activity of your brain. Doesn't that sound nice? Yes, yes, it does. So, that so nice. Relaxing. Ideal. Perfect. So, Turn it off, please. <laughs> all, the way, all the way down, bitch. All the way All off. the way down. So benzos are drugs like Xanax, and my, the one I use is Clonopin. And my God, if you're having a panic attack, a little... I just like nibble. I don't need that much of a benzo. Like, I have my little 20 milligram pills, and I just go from the edge and i'm like ooh, panic attack averted let's get back to it and these drugs also work like a horse lick, exactly. licking a sugar cube exactly. oh my god exactly. um these so there's a big difference between uh, slow acting drugs and fact acts fast acting drugs uh ssris do not come into effect until you've taken them daily usually for weeks if not months whereas benzos that shit kicks in in 10 15 minutes it's like you're having a panic attack in that moment you can take a little benzo and try to pull yourself back, right? <laughs> from the, from mm-hmm. the edge of chaos. Um, the only other one I wanted to talk about, because it's a drug that has been really useful to me in treating my um, mental issues is Ambien. Um, and it also is a, is a GABA um, binding. It's a GABA agonist. Again, binding and activating GABA. But for whatever reason that we don't know, Ambien actually at higher doses is a hallucinogen. Well, you know, it's like it's the crazy thing about these drugs is there are different GABA receptors in the brain. Benzos bind to some uh, ambient and hallucinogenics bind to others. And then depending on where it's binding in the brain, how much you take and what activity it is, it leads to a completely different 
physiological outcome. It, you mm. feel different, even though the drug has a very similar mechanism of action, right? So a lot of the drug development in this space has just been kind of trial and error. One mm. time I um, took an Ambien with an X because he was like, Ambien sex is great. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> and then I woke what? up the next morning and he was like, do you remember when you put your shoes on and tried to leave? And I was like... <laughs> That is so funny. That would be your reaction to, to taking Ambien. I'm out. I am out of here. Yeah, if I took Ambien right before sex, I'd be like, you can go ahead and have sex if you want, but I'm going to be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> you have my consent. Um, yeah, that's funny. And then I, the only, you know, I wanted to mention, like, cocaine has a really clear mechanism of action. Cocaine turns up the dopamine pathway, and the dopamine pathway is the pleasure pathway. So, it like, it makes you feel like you've just fucked. It makes you feel like you're the smartest person in the world. And we understand that really well. Uh, I will add that cocaine is one of the more addictive substances because your brain is very finely tuned to not feel that much pleasure that often. And your brain goes, holy fuck, too much pleasure. You should only feel this when you're actually doing pleasurable things. And so your brain actually makes more of the, of the receptor for cocaine. So not only does that make you need to take more cocaine to get high, it makes your normal dopamine hit after your normal sex or your normal meal or your normal pleasurable thing, literally less pleasurable. So like, is, is Molly similar? Molly is not addictive in that way. Like this is like mm. chemical addiction where the drug is modifying your brain. Cocaine mm. makes you feel if you do cocaine enough for many people, it changes the gene expression in your brain such that real life feels less real. Um, I was cu curious because of like the, the serotonin, like the fact that everyone talks about that serotonin hangover I don't, after Molly. I Again, not an expert in this. I don't know that we understand the serotonin lows after Molly, mm -hmm. but it is, it is, to my knowledge, not a chemically addictive drug in that it doesn't change sort of the receptors in your brain, the mm -hmm. expression of them, and then kind of how you feel at baseline. Mm. I will also say that now that I've tried professional Molly... Um, all of the Molly that we take is cut with something. 100%. Yeah. Pure 100%. Molly, there is no hangover. Like, I've taken Molly that felt amazing, and the next day I felt like I was in, like, the depths of hell. Like, yeah. I was like, what my I broke my brain. But the thing is, when it's pure, that's not what it feels like at all. Um, that's so true of a lot of drugs, too, that these yeah, drugs are so cut with something. We are and that's not a, getting pure drugs. And a lot not of, here. Exactly. And a lot of people will say, like, oh, I tried that drug, and it's, like, not for me. And it's like, well, I mean, where did you get it, sis? Yeah. Imagine. Or like also just, like, you know, you have it on the wrong day, you have it at the wrong time. Yeah, like, yeah you, where did you do it? Yeah. Who did you do it with? Environment is, like... Everything, Crucial. I feel like, when it comes to a lot of drugs. Like, well, thank you for that science lesson, Ho. That yes, was really good. Mm. Yeah, really good precursor, I guess, to like our 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 ju big juicy meal about mm. this. On that, why don't we get to the thought process of T-H-O-T? T-H-O-T. And once again, with the meat slinging... Joseph? Obviously, I was obsessed with drugs and just like put this episode together over the last 24 hours because I cared a lot. Um, it's a good app. It's a good app. I'm learning a lot personally, and so are the thoughts at home. Lexapro, Ambien, Finasteride, Acerbic Acid, Clonopin. And that's all before my morning coffee, y'all. This episode is all about brain pills, as I call them. <laughs> I started thinking about it when Teebs recently went on an SSRI journey after the hellscape that was COVID isolation. I've been on an SSRI Lexapro since a horrific breakup gave me panic attacks that made me want to die. But a few months later, I noticed that the insomnia I struggled with since literally the sixth grade was less of an issue. 
It wasn't gone, but it was just not as big a part of my life. So to start, Thotties, what was one surprising thing that happened to you when you decided to engage in a medication journey for your mental health? I talk about this all the time because it's such a revelation in my life. I've never had a healthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. I've only ever eaten to feel something. Mm -hmm. My parents used to talk about how when I was younger, I would get into the sugar bowl and that like, they have to hide it, but I would always find it. And the I would like, find the, like ways of, of pulling out the, the cabinet so that I could get up to the sugar. And, you know, I just, rem that was like food is a kind of escape. I mean, what else do you do when you're young and you can't control your circumstances? Yeah. You try to control yourself. And I did that through eating and giving myself pleasure. And I never really ever ate for hunger. I just ate for the sensation. And about a month into Zoloft, I just started to notice, like when I woke up, I didn't immediately inhale the contents of my cupboard, <laughs> which was different for me. And I, I was like, I remember getting like a, um, a personal pizza and I ate two slices and I was like, I think I'm done. And I put it away and I was like, I've never finished a third of a personal pizza and not finished the rest of it before. Wow. And I, I, on Valentine's day, I got myself this box of, or this little, this little package of Hershey's kisses. And, um, I had one and I was like, that was good. And I put the rest of them away and they're still there. I went the other day I went to the, I was like, you know, what would be good with this, with this dinner, like a nice hoppy IPA. So I went over to the store and I got a, a, a uh, IPA and I came back and I finished I, I finished my meal I was hungry I stopped eating when I was full and I had half of the beer and I was like I think I'm done it's a little flat and getting warm and I poured it out I've like literally never not finished a beer in my entire wow, life geez. so I started to notice this this pattern of of compulsive consumption mm. was not there anymore mm. and I asked my my therapist asked Dr. John about it and he was like well you know, your body has serotonin. <laughs> so it's not oh God, going for that. So it's not going for that dopamine hit all the time. Yeah. And that was just, I don't, I like, I never imagined myself as a person who had a healthy relationship to what I consume. Mm. And that like, and it's almost like, did any of you see Dune? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, you know, when he does the voice and it's like, bring me yes. the water. It's yeah. like in my head, I'm like, I think you're done. And I'm like, you know what? I am. And it's like, go do the dishes. And I'm like, I'm going to go do the dishes. Does, like, does the voice sound like Timothy voice. Chalamet? Uh, it sounds like the Dark Knight. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I guess I'll start with, since Joe shared his cocktail, I will say that I am on propanolol most days. I take Adderall every day. I'm currently microdosing psilocybin. Um, uh, yes, God. Yes, um, Lord. I take lorazepam for episodic anxiety or panic attacks. Um, and yeah, I guess uh, there's one more in there that like I, I do when I'm feeling funky. And now I marijuana. It, oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> LMAO. It's because I that's so funny and very telling. Um, yeah, I, 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 I smoke most days although that is changing the more that quarantine is less of a thing mm, mm, mm. and was there anything was love. there anything that surprised you about any oh, uh, yeah. of your like rea your body's reactions oh, yes. to it sorry and to answer your question um, the thing <laughs> yeah yeah sorry I, I, I that was supposed to lead to the answer to your question um and so when i started adderall for the first time I remember being resistant to just like drug brain drugs in general because of the thing that probably pro everyone says and the thing that, you know, thoughts at home are probably thinking if they never tried them before, which is, 
oh, I don't want the drugs to change me. Right. Like, I don't want them to, like, disrupt who I am. Like, you have this fear that drugs will fundamentally shift who you are as a person. And I, you know, obviously these, obviously drugs can be, like, very life-shifting entities, you know? But um, they are, what I found after taking Adderall for the first time, I was like, oh, I don't feel different i feel like i'm the most myself Mm. i could be Mm -hmm. like i feel like i've unlocked a potential for my personhood in a way that was previously not available to me Mm -hmm. and i think that that's the best way i can describe it to anyone who is considering going on a brain drug that it's not necessarily like a be-all end-all or like something that's going to fix you or make your problems go away however it is an unlocking of your potential um if it's the right drug for you i agree and i think i think like antidepressants and like a lot of brain drugs are marketed weirdly Mm -hmm. and i wish somebody had said Hey, do you want to try to break some patterns that you think are just affects of your personality? <laughs> yeah. I would have been like, oh, fuck yeah. Yes. Like, the other thing that happens is, like, okay, to leave the house, I have to have 18 conversations with myself, all revolving around which car I'm going to get hit by at which intersection. And I'll have to be okay with it and know which hospital that I'm going to. And, like, maybe I could still try to Uber to the hospital. You know, like, all of these negotiations I would have about my personal safety before I left the house. Now I just leave. I oh just my go. God. There's not, like, yeah. an internal conflict. There's not something there. And also, like, I I feel like I've I can I'm taking criticism well. I'm like smiling at other people's dogs. I love <laughs> children. Like it's Who just are you? I know. <laughs> but it but I don't think it, it, it like there's, there's this um uh comedy special called um Look at You by Taylor Tomlinson. It's on Netflix right now and she talks a lot about her journey with with um antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And she was like Oh, you know, I just, the people are like, oh, I don't want it to change me. I don't want it to change me. And she's like, I do want it to change me. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. would like to change, please. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the point, I think. I think also, I think when I first engaged with any sort of psych thing, I've always been into drugs, brain, and mind, but that's because I've always had insomnia. I've mm-hmm. always just been a victim of my brain. Oh, Kenya. But it was so mm-hmm. interesting. So I've always been so interested. So from when I like first took weed to like, the, I mean, took weed. That's so funny. When I first did weed, <laughs> smoked like weed. When I first did, I, the kids are saying I taking weed. A marijuana now. Like, I don't cigarette. <laughs> Listen, people are taking weed pills. It's so much. But you know what I'm saying. So when I, I mean, I think the first thing I realized is I was like, damn, nobody knows what the fuck is going on. Yeah. I don't know. My doctors don't know. Yeah. Like, no one knows. But, like, it can create such positive or negative change in your brain and body. And I think I just realized, um, yeah, sometimes you just have to be brave enough to try something that might help you in the end. Mm-hmm. Even if it's so dark in the moment, sometimes you just have to be like, fuck it, let me just try. And you'll be so grateful sometimes uh, to yourself that you you tried and and sometimes it can change your life for the better. So I think that if you're having trouble with anything, I would um, definitely say try things as prescribed yeah. and as as you feel comfortable with. It's so hard. I mean, can you what what you were saying totally like resonates so hard with me because like I started brain meds in a moment of like literal like full collapse when my, my partner of many years who I lived with, who I had a dog with just like in a couple of weeks decided he was like out of our relationship. And I was in a dark place where I was willing to try 
anything to not feel the way that I was feeling. I wanted to die every second that I was alive. And I was like, please, I need to, I need something to make me not like die. Uh, and, and like, obviously the drugs probably helped then, but once I got on them, I realized the other things that they were giving me, once I had normalized out of that dark space, I realized the other, like the other gifts that, that I was now, I had now unlocked in my life. And the other thing you said about like, your doctors don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on is a hundred percent true. But like the thing that I want to say is like, you are the expert in your body and you are the experts yes. in your brain. And the, and, and the doctors are going to give you options to, you know, make sure they ramp you on to an SSRI. If you do it, do not like I've had friends where their doctors are like 20 milligrams, bam. And it fucks you up. But ultimately, whether or not that drug does anything, whether it helps, whether it hurts, the doctor doesn't know that. And the doctor's not going to know that. You are going to know that based on how you feel. And so things like journaling and being intentional about like hours of sleep and being intentional about mood before as you're going on to and during the drug is really important because you're going to have to be the one to advocate for yourself. Oh yeah, every time. You have to pay so much attention, you know. Which is why when I, I initially got on uh, like Celexa and then Lexapro and Trazodone when I was like 15 years old, oh. so 15 to 20, I was on them and I wasn't in touch with myself, so I didn't know if they had any effect at all. And then I went off of them and it, I went off with Lexapro cold turkey and it was horrible. Yeah. It was oh. horrible. That's and, why I was always so scared. And so then I didn't, I didn't entertain brain drugs again for 20 years yeah. and i was like it. and then i'm like you know what i'm actually in touch with myself i'm paying attention i'm the actor in my life and i'm ready to see if this helps because i just i feel like it's not like i'd reached the end of my rope or anything like that but and i was like you know i'm not going to medicate away fascism white supremacy homophobia misogyny all Ooh. that but i can make it a little bit better for myself for yourself mm. that's so true mm. i actually have a question joe mm. so I mean, yeah, I, I think people ask this question even with like weed, like, is there a big difference with starting when you're a teenager? So like oh, certain God. brain drugs, um, I had not had until I was a fully yeah. formed adult. But then I also had had pain medication throughout my childhood, which then affected every how every drug reacted with my body ten, in adulthood. So I'm, <laughs> I, I always wonder because you know I'm a big. I'm a big natural girl, so I'm like, yes, if the the, the kids are 16 right. and they have pain, let them smoke weed. Like, it's better than an opioid or something, you know? Oh, but then people are like, but with the developing brain, is it ruined? And, you know, I started smoking when I was super young. I I think it made me so much better. If, if I was on pain meds, I probably would be dead by now. Yeah. So I'm always like, yay, but I know that there is shit going on with the development it's of so, the brain. So, you know, the answer is... Um, we don't know that much about it in part because the government limits what research can be done. And there's so much of so much of the research and so many researchers are coming at it from a point of view of drugs are bad for you. And so that's sort yeah. of the the assumption. Um, you know, it's like we know that like heavy drinking during pregnancy is bad for outcomes of children like that. that that's that's solid science. But even that I was reading recently that a lot of those studies were done with with parents who drank so they were like alcoholic mothers that were drinking like 10 plus drinks a day. And so that's not necessarily the most common outcome if you're having 
a drink every now and again, right? But it's like I had a psych professor in college who was a woman who was like, "You can drink during pregnancy." Exactly. So even those things, like, like straight up, and I was like, oh. th- "There's there is <laughs> there is a paucity of research on any of these things." In part because the government and the tobacco industry and the alcohol industry don't want um, research on their drugs, certainly, and they also definitely don't want research on drugs that should be legal but are not yeah. like weed oh, and nmda and psychedelics mm-hmm. it has to be said also that like dare culture of the late 90s mm. and early aughts have either created a huge counterculture that made a lot of kids do drugs maybe when they weren't prepared yes. to do them and then created kids like me that have you know, decades long, if not a lifelong stigma against drugs in general that is actually preventing me from enjoying my life to the fullest extent, you know, like it's, it's on all different ends of the spectrum. And like, I think that when it comes to like how young you are and, and development and such, like it's, it's about knowing that, knowing the fact that the older you get, the better you know your body, yourself, mm-hmm. your limits, what your needs are, your brain, your psyche. And so I am someone who really believes that, like, it's maybe better to do it, do a lot of things when you're older than when you're younger. However, people are young and in extremely urgent circumstances. Yeah. And so there's that doesn't make it any less um, of a of, that doesn't make it any less important um, or like any less something that you should try and do. I have a question for the thotties. I think some of the the uh, thotties out there listening might be wondering and might be curious. How did you find uh, a prescriber that you trust to work with on this to get to get your prescriptions to talk about what what's working and what's not? I got mine from Doctor John. He I've known him since two thousand and eight, and we've been we've been on my journey together for a really long time. And I think that's why he made the recommendation for the medication that he did and. Like, and it's not the first time that we've had that conversation and, and he had suggested it before, but it was the first time that I was open to the suggestion. Mm-hmm. And, and I really do trust him and, and it's, you know, so far so good. <laughs> we have said on the pod, everyone needs to be in therapy. You listening at home, you need to be in therapy. Mm-hmm. And a therapist is a great way to find someone who will give you drugs, mm-hmm. you know, like give you rain drugs if you want, they'll refer you to a psychiatrist. Yeah. So, um, I hate my psychiatrist, so I, <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say I've found someone that I can rely on or trust. That's- I've kind of found a w- person who, um, I don't think is very good at her job. It will kind of give me anything I want. So that's, that's yeah, I will <laughs> say like, uh, I agree with you, Fran. Like I have not found someone that I, it's not that I don't trust them. It's just that like, I know at this point and they know, and there's so many of them that, um, I'm the only one that knows my brain. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I just kind of, am like, I'm my own lab rat and I'm going to like, you know, give me a little bit of that. You we'll are see your own what lab happens rat. in three months and like tell me what you think. But I'm also like, as as the tech gets deeper, I'm like, please scan my brain on this drug and see what's going yes. on. Like I'm like I'm so like I'm leaning into like giving my body to science like while I'm still alive, because I'm just like, I just I just want some answers. So I I I think sometimes you can find that person. And I also think Unfortunately, there's a problem in this country and you we always have to say it like a lot of people cannot afford therapy and won't yes. be able yeah. to. Yes. That's, and it's just like that's totally something that I think about a lot because 
Um, like my my mom is a, became a nurse practitioner later in life and is very much like from that capitalist um, healthcare mode of give someone six weeks of therapy and get them back to being a productive adult. And like, that's just not how I view therapy at all. And obviously drugs are cheaper than therapy, like way cheaper than a, a generic SSRI, first generation, like Lexapro, Prozac, whatever, costs nothing, nothing for your insurer and nothing for you. So it's much cheaper and easier to medicate the problem than it is to talk therapy therapy the problem. I want talk therapy for the rest of my life. And just to like clarify on what we've been talking about, my therapist, sometimes a therapist might also be a shrink. Um, my therapist is a so has his degree in social work. So he's a he's a uh, a psychotherapist, a talk therapist, but cannot prescribe brain drugs, but obviously has connections with uh, psychiatrists who are MDs who can prescribe prescribe brain drugs where like I can go talk to that person. They know that I have a relationship with my therapist. There's sort of an, an inherent trust there. And I can also, you know, my therapist makes space for me in therapy to talk about my experience with my SSRIs or whatever. So like I, it is definitely the best to have a, a therapist that you love and trust and to like be able to use that. But like everyone's saying, you might not have access to that. And it's really hard to figure out what's the best path forward if so but if you don't have a therapist and you and you this is something that you want to try i mean there are illegal means of getting these drugs that you can figure out but you must i think it's so important that some that you have a an amazing friend like someone who's extremely smart that is going through this with you that Mm -hmm. is that you can talk to because trying to do this in a silo is gonna create some bad things in your head. It's going to create some bad reactions. It's going to make you feel isolated. You're going to doubt yourself. You have to talk to this about someone. And like the, I'm like my own lab rat approach is like very resonant to me, Kenya. And like, obviously yours is a very different um, (laughs) thing because you're doing it in an academic sense. It's now going to be your job and like, or going to be your study, uh, whatever it is. And like, I just, I, 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 but I still think that, that it is so true that sometimes that is something that you can do, but you have to do it with someone. You yep. need someone to talk to so that they can help you document exactly what you're feeling and externally process what it is you're, you're trying to do. Speaking of checking in with people and, and documenting your process, have you all had side effects? Ooh. A hundred percent. Wow. You mean like in general from medication? From yeah, brain from, drugs. From brain meds. Absolutely. Y'all, what? Does anyone not have side effects? Y'all can't see, but Kenya's head literally just like <laughs> almost exploded off her body. I'm like, what do you, what is a world without outside effects? Like literally. I actually haven't yet because I'm not on crazy benzos or SSRIs. I think with with Adderall, like sometimes there's an issue with like sleeping. Mm. Um um, and and some other things, but I, I haven't exp- I've been really honestly side effects are like the thing that has like prevented me from maybe trying SSRIs is I I wonder if like the side effects would outweigh what I was going through because I mean I'm very superficial so like if I get a bunch of acne if I'm if I get a bunch of acne that's gonna be way worse than my depression oh my my god I mean like I'm sorry like but it's just true like it's just true for me and that doesn't have to be true for you but like you know I don't want it I don't want to do with it um, and so I funny. and I I will you know one do, one day go on my SSRI journey, but I'm still on the journey of the current cocktail I'm on. So no. TBD. I um I had a really hard time stepping on 
like I had crazy side effects Same. stepping on. But it was also it's really hard for me to tell what was the drug and what was like this crazy horrible life change like basically mm. divorce that I was going through um so yeah. I, I like have a really hard time pinning down what is what I will say that um I I knock on wood find some motherfucking wood to knock on I don't really have any side effects um a lot of people with particular SSRIs have sexual side effects where they have a hard time um if if they ha- if they're a penis having person they have a hard time getting hard or particularly um oh, with yeah. SSRIs they can have a hard time coming so it's like you can get hard and fuck for hours and hours and hours you're the most popular person at the sex party you can fuck for for hours but you you have a really hard time coming i so i haven't i had, wish i had that problem i <laughs> that sounds horrifying <laughs> that sounds amazing it's like a nightmare but okay it's um, never going to be my dream i uh, <laughs> I luckily haven't had those side effects. And it's also hard for me to tell. Like, I've been on these drugs for a long time and I have gained weight. Um, But I I think it's also just like being 40 and not being 32 anymore. Mm. Um, And also, you know, the the way my doctor put it to me about around weight gain with these drugs are oftentimes people who are very anxious or very depressed have super disordered eating and are not eating enough. Mm. And so Mm. it's not so much that the drug makes you gain weight. The drug regulates your relationship to food and you don't want to die anymore. So you start eating food again and i'm the opposite i i i've probably lost like wow seven pounds because i'm not Whoa. i'm not hoarding food all the time yep. i'm not just like mm. stuffing my face so i don't feel anything so it's kind of the opposite for me although i did once i went up to 200 milligrams so i started at 25 then 50 then 100 then 150 then 200 and once i got to the 200 level i started to notice diarrhea very <laughs> like <laughs> I went, like not the frequency the frequency didn't change but it was just like the consistency absolutely did and i was like oh i must have caught a stomach bug and i was like do 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 and then like the next day i was like huh this is still happening maybe i'll show get some emodium so i went to the store and got some emodium and i read the back and it was like contact your doctor if you have diarrhea for more than two days as this could be indicative of a different and i was like oh god <laughs> so then i was like I was like, do I have ulcerative colitis? Do I have Crohn's? But this is the Zoloft kicking in. It was like, why don't, what what have you been doing differently? And it's like, (laughs) you're up 200 milligrams on your, on your Zoloft. So like, let's Google side effects. And I Googled it and it's the number one side effect. (laughs) Because there are, there are so many more serotonin receptors in your gut than even in your, in your brain. And so it it can change your gut health too. So, but I talked about it with my doctor and he's, we um, switched it. So I take it at night instead of in the morning now. And it's cleared up the symptoms. I was going to say, does it mean you poop your pants in the bed? No, it doesn't. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I, I actually am realizing that if we're counting weed in this conversation, which we did up top, kind of, Mm -hmm. that is definitely something that I experience a lot of quote unquote side effects or at least changes in who I am or my behavior, Mm. which is part of the reason why I'm like trying to, you know, smoke on the weekends only or like the other other ways I'm trying to figure out like what my relationship to weed is Um, in large part because a lot of the time I smoke, it's self-medicating. Sometimes it's just fun. But like other times it's like I really need this right now, which is like not what I want to be with that. But like, I mean, it could be an appetite thing. It could be like I I think I have really crazy sleeps and really crazy dreams sometimes. Mm. Uh, Like I feel like um fogginess i feel tired sometimes there are just a lot of things where you're just like okay the synapses in my body are different because it's acclimated to a completely new 
substance in my body. And like, that is just something that's true of literally anything you put in your body from food to drugs to, to, you know, a new cleaning product that you're using, like literally like, and I think that people don't take that into account. It's like, we get really scared of side effects or really scared of like how our bodies are going to react to things, but we don't think twice about what kind of shampoo we buy. We don't think twice about like what we're rubbing on our skin or like what kind of things we're exposing ourselves to on a day to day that are, can be as harmful as as harmful, quote unquote, as drugs, you know? What about you, Candy? What are, what have your side effects been? Oh God. Well, see, the thing is I'm starting off at a wild place. So I'm like, so sometimes it like makes my sleep worse or better. Um, I don't think I have many physical side Mm. effects. Mm. Um, But yeah, like, I mean, Going on to Lexapro was, I mean, I'm so happy it tripped before that because to me it was such a trip. Yeah. Like mm. because I had tripped before, I was like, okay, this is like a extremely long, ridiculous. Tri- I feel like I like get really nauseous. Like I'm like really hot and cold. Like the coming on to it was actually much more intense than going off of it. Oh wow! Like much, much, much more. Wow, um, that helps me a, for a my lot, body. I'm so afraid of going off because my journey. I thought I, on I mean, I was too, hell. but it was like all I had to do was taper. But I also tapered on, and it was just it was just such a a big change in my sort of reality. I was astral, not in the way that I like yeah. to be. I was like mm. kind of dissociating for. A while until it like kicked in and then it was normal. But how getting long on does was it take really... to kick in? For me, it took like I would say like three full months before I was feeling out of that like dreaming awake phase. Like, Ugh. but not in it wasn't like a good feeling. But also something like Adderall, Vyvanse. Like when I took those in college, those got me so high, like way more high than cocaine and Molly mm. have ever gotten mm. me. And it's just so crazy that like. <laughs> How it just reacts differently. Yeah. For some, like, I'm so chill after I do a line of coke. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm literally, I sit back and I'm like, whoo. You're good. Like, everybody else is like, let's go dancing. And I'm like, wow, relax. Like, <laughs> but, like, then, like, Vivance, which will, like, help my friend be completely normal, has me just, like, tweaking in the library so for two days. Can you, so it's just, like. <laughs> can I ask you, Ken, Ken why you decided to taper off of the Lexapro? Because I literally see that there's a mental health crisis in the yeah. world, and, and I was scared of not being able to get it mm-hmm. because I've had so many situations with medicine where it's just been I've been not able to get yeah. like any sort of medicine, and like that is a medicine where I know I can't like miss a day. That's that's the kind of med that you can't miss, and so I was like, I'm just gonna get off. Mm. And because I was able, because of the last year, I had so many surgeries and things that helps my body's and my body in other ways to like keep itself alive. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I didn't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um and so I tried and it was good. So I kept going. So now I'm off. But I was literally afraid that I wasn't gonna be able to have access to it one day. Yeah. And I didn't ever want to stop cold turkey. I mean, like I'm so if, I was so scared. If of that. the supply chains for Lexapro are disrupted. Yeah. And you know, ten million people in America are without Lexapro starting the same day. Uh, it is going to be a fucking cluster fuck. It is not going to be pretty in Damn, I've been thinking about Wait, that a Wait, actually, I'm really glad you brought this up, Kenny, because it's actually a really good thing to just, like, talk about and looking at this from, like, a bird's eye view, like, the mental health crisis, which I think is something that, like, only people in our circles are really talking about, yeah. but, like, in the next five to ten years is going to reach epidemic levels yeah. 
of like crisis that like it is like disrupting i mean it already is disrupting our our flow but like it will be fully disrupting like our lives as we live it culturally Mm -hmm. because everyone's mental health is so bad and only getting worse because of capitalism and a lot of other things along with it you know like it's cuckoo bananas but anyways what are y'all thoughts? and i'd also just say like even from the psychedelic point of view like it's really interesting how capitalism also fucks this whole thing up because Mm -hmm. like literally in the dsm they like um announced that there was a new disorder like prolonged grief disorder and then I mean, even though I'm excited to be a part of a cohort that's studying psychedelics, it's like as soon as all of these big schools announced that they were studying psychedelics, there were ads. It's like you can get ketamine in a box at home and try your own ketamine oh. therapy. Like try your own if you're in the state. And I'm like, whoa, OK, we have to also be responsible and not just give drugs out to everyone and just yeah. be like, this is going to be a fix all Band-Aid. And that applies to every drug. Well, and and every decriminalize the people who are in jail for selling it. Right. And yeah. free, you know, everyone. free everyone. Free and, 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 everyone. And stop gentrifying it such that people went to jail for who are black and brown and now people can profit off of it who are rich and white. Like there's mm-hmm. there's Very a whole good. justice, you know, uh, an issue of justice that is not going to be dealt with well by the mechanisms of capitalism. We have like this conversation i feel like we could do 10 more shows on this yeah but i i want to get to one more question before we head on to dessert because it is something that you know all of us are artists in different ways uh here and i think one of the biggest stigmas around uh, going on meds particularly the ones you take every day like ssris are that it will like make you not as good of an artist or it will kill your creativity or it will make your art boring. So can you, can you I, I, absolutely bullshit? bullshit. 100%. That's a lie. 100%. It is. I, they wasn't artists anyways. Yes, I know, they're, exactly. They're just using, yeah. They're just using that to procrastinate differently. Like, exactly. I'm Literally like, listen, that. you, it's fear. It's fear. Yeah. If you think your art can, if you think your creative impulses can be erased, like by, by a drug, exactly you're just like not i also feel like i had i I dated someone who just like was very resistant to the idea of like you know talking to a psych and maybe getting on drugs and this is a this was a person who needs to find some brain drugs that work like very debilitating anxiety like extremely dysfunctional in a lot of different terrains of their life by way of like mental health issues um, and they're so skeptical of doctors and that is fair. like totally, totally fair. Like yeah. there's so many different reasons why we, we have, and so much, so much evidence and so much history as to why we should not tr- like trust like structural medicine, yeah. but trust yourself enough to try something. Mm. You have mm-hmm. to trust yourself enough to try. And in in some ways, it has nothing to do with your doctor. Your doctor is literally just the, the cash, the, the, the person at the grocery store giving you the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, these are, they, they are entities that are giving you something to try. And so long as you are listening to yourself, mm-hmm. maybe more than you're listening to your doctor, like that is like the most important thing. Obviously yeah. finding a doctor that you can trust is key, but like that is way easier said than done. Like I think most people I know don't actually have doctors that they fully trust, you know? And I think yeah. it's like super great. Like, you know, I think if you talk, if you start talking about this more openly, you will be surprised at how many people in your life have been exactly. through it, are doing it now and then doing it in community where it's like mm-hmm. when Teebs was thinking about an SSRI, he was like, what one are you on? What is your dose? What was it like getting on it? So it's not just you and your doctor and it's not 
just you and uh, you elaborating yourself. It's like you in community with a whole bunch of other people who you love and trust, who love and trust you sort of figuring out how to survive as best you can in this fucked up world. Yeah. And I just like, I'm really trying hard. I definitely, you know, I'm Pisces. I'm a very romantic person. I had this view of like, artists being more pure or better if they were suffering that the art they make would just be you know and i'm like i'm almost 40 and i'm really trying to both be an artist and not suffer so fucking much it is like not it's like irish catholic nonsense martyr nonsense like i really was like trying to suffer like like it would make me like you know and it, i'm just i'm i'm not feeling that way anymore you don't have to suffer to be contemplative and yeah. also I mean, like it doesn't it doesn't doesn't mean that i don't know what sadness is like or don't feel yeah. sad sad or yeah. whatever i just don't dwell on it and i don't have a feeling about the feeling i just have the feeling which is Woo! actually better for my writing Woo! because yeah because yeah. i'm interrogative in a different way i, mean, I w- went through the whole sundance screenwriting intensive while on zoloft and i felt i was able to get out of my yeah. way so much faster same Ugh. Ugh. yeah I, and i yeah i feel like brain meds have not i didn't notice as a change in my personality or my creative work but i will say psychedelics um, make me super creative and have only expanded mm. my mind to um, astral places. Astral. So, yes. yeah, I am grateful for them. I can say the same for weed. I feel like I can say the same for Adderall. I, and and I, I, it really is. And it's all about finding the right drug and figuring out what's right for you and yeah. taking it in stride and, and, f- and moving with the tides of your body and your life. Mm-hmm. But like, a lot of times when you find a drug that works for you, it's like all of these things that are inhibiting your life, whether it's depression or anxiety or neuroses or whatever, a a good drug that works for you can help you take that entity out of the driver's seat and put it in the trunk. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it will no longer be running your life in the way that it used to. Yeah. And and I'll just say like, just my circle of friends, there's so many like academics and artists and Everyone I know, literally, and I'm not joking, is on brain drugs. Mm-hmm. Every successful artist in this generation <laughs> is on brain drugs. And, like, they don't got to tell you which ones they're on, but just know they're on them, okay? <laughs> so you're not alone. Oh, you're yeah. not alone. <laughs> you are not alone, babies. I'm feeling full, but, like, I could fit one more thing inside of me. Den knows how I feel from wherever Den is. <laughs> yeah, she just, po- she just pooched her dooch right now. <laughs> And I don't even know what that means. The, the cherry on our top this week is white noise machines. Oh, and let me tell you, there is nothing more satisfying than falling asleep to the to the slow hum of a of a device that you didn't even know existed before this moment. Do do y'all use white noise machines? Are you guys talking about poltergeist? Yes, we are talking about. <laughs> oh hell. Yes. No, y'all fall asleep to that scary white shit. Yeah, we're talking about we're talking about actual ghosts and um, poltergeists. Yes, like spirits uh, of other realms. The TV. Um, no, I mean mine's called the dome. I can't remember what I think it's called the dome or something like that. But like my mom, as a therapist, used to have these little noise machines that would kind of like blockade sound from exiting the yeah. office so that you couldn't hear what was happening inside the session. And I never really understood what they were. And ever since moving into an apartment that has extremely thin walls where I can hear the neighbors, you know, doing what neighbors do. Um, I was like, I need something to blockade this sound. And let me tell you, white noise machines help with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Wait, so does it like scientifically cancel out whatever noise is happening outside? I mean, yeah, I don't know how the science works. I mean, it's sound like waves, the physics yeah. of sound. The fa- sound oh. waves cancel each other. It's just for me, like, 
I, again, living in New York, I've always lived on noisy streets. We actually have good windows here, but you know, um, I'm a pr- I, when I'm falling asleep, I can be a pretty light sleeper. Um, my I my partner just got me a white noise machine for my birthday one year, and I just love it. You just click it on, and it's just like you can adjust it a little bit, but it only has like three settings, and it's just so it's like a. I react to it how some people react to ASMR. And again, mm. one of the ways mm. that I treated, that I still treat my insomnia without meds is having like a nighttime routine. Like I sleep with a face mask and earplugs. And when the face mask and earplugs go on and the white noise machine go on, it's just that sleep time. That is just it, like <laughs> yeah. it, my whole body is just like, oh, the white noise machine is on. The, and But the crazy thing is, you know, and again, living in New York fucks you up for other places. When I go home to rural Washington state to my parents' house, if I don't have Spotify, there's like white noise um, tracks on Spotify. If I don't play that shit, it is too fucking quiet. I cannot yeah. sleep wow. at all. You know what my favorite sound is? Like rainfall. Mm. That's like mm. when I'm when I'm going really to bed. Beautiful. Love that sound. So, mm-hmm. what do you have? White noise Rex? Because I I feel like I have to get one now. There is an. I mean, so if to just start to see if you like it, there's a a track on Spotify that's like an eight hour long rain track, uh, and you can just you know it actually kind of it's one of those things that sounds kind of nice from a phone speaker. Like it doesn't have to be from a nice speaker because it kind of is already. It's like not yeah. you're not doing it for high quality audio. You know what I mean? It's not like <laughs> it's, it's not like vinyl with like a huge Dolby speakers for your white noise machine. Um, but I yeah, friend, what's yours called again? So I have actually tried three different white noise machines. <laughs> I have, I have te- I'm basically wire cutter here um, <laughs> because wire cutter's recommendation actually did not cut it for me. And so um, I yeah 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 I felt like the sounds coming from the wire cutter recommendation and a machine I actually can't remember. I should figure out the name. But anyways, it's whatever the wire cutter recommended noise machine is. I thought that the sound was actually too like synthetic, mm. and mm. and so I went with the dome white noise machine which is d-o-h-m and it creates a more natural real sounding kind of like sound so you don't have like the range of different sounds that you could potentially do with like something that's maybe a little more high tech however i felt the sound was a little more natural i have the same one actually the little Mm. the dome one that actually creates a mechanical noise it's a mechanical noise yeah. as opposed to a speaker created that's noise. right that's right that's wow. right wow it's very very analog it's yeah. so relaxing it's nice wow yeah. well let's get to sleep bitches <laughs> i'm so ready i've been ready since 6 a.m since i popped that benny Ooh. <laughs> shit This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at Stitcher. Our producer is technically a ravioli, Alexandra De Palma. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review us five stars on iTunes or Kenya never becomes a telephone model. No! That's literally my worst nightmare. Oh like, my every day I wake up, I'm like, am I a telephone model yet? Like, what the fuck? This is gonna Telfar, happen Telephone, hit me up. Hit me up, please. I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H E Y T E B S, on Instagram because I deleted Twitter. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com and you can pre order my book and check out the, all the amazing blurbs at www.virologybook.com. I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squishco anywhere you want on social media and on my socials. You can find my new podcast, Like a Virgin, that I post mm. on you every week. I'm Kenya Denise. You can find me on IG at K-E-N-Y-A underscore D-I-G-G underscore I-T. That's Kenya Dig It, guys. Yeah, Kenya Dig It. it. <laughs> <laughs> Surely yes, we can. can. See you say play it. <laughs>
Uh, find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dicks. It was a valiant effort. Okay. So thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts about how... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>